Welcome to another edition of the Team Turnbuckle Podcast on the IB Sports Podcast Network. The Dynamic Trio is back with you as always. We're going to change it up a little bit today. So actually hosting is not the man talking right now, not Chief Keith Fleming. Instead, I'm going to let ravishing Ron L. Tinsley run the show, the man with the angel voice, and of course, Sam the Shooter, who's got his hair as high as I've ever seen it right now. Higher the uh, hair, the closer to God. He's he's the closer <laughs> in this six-man tag group. So, uh, guys, y'all doing all right? Uh, yeah, actually, this will be the first, not to bump people out, this will be the first year that I am doing uh the holidays away from my family but i'm kind of looking forward to doing the traditions in la so i did them last year my family was here but i'm looking forward to doing my first jewish christmas ever which is uh chinese food in a movie nice <laughs> i'm Maybe doing wonder woman uh probably on christmas day nice what about I'm you doing, how are you doing Ronald? i'm doing okay man um I un- we unfortunately got slammed with uh, 18 inches of snow where I am. So I spent a few hours, you know, digging out cars, making a walkway. I didn't have to go anywhere, so thank miserable. God. But you know, um, one thing I just really want to get off my mind real quickly. If you guys are praying, guys, and to anyone listening, if you're a person of faith or you know you believe in good juju, send some to my hometown. Unfortunately, I just learned word of a shooting there, and unfortunately, a mother is going to have to bury their child. So, Man, you know, if you're a praying person, you know, just send some out to Kingston, New York, if you would. But, you know, other than that, I'm glad that we get to do this. I didn't mean to bum people out. I am actually quite excited um, about today's show because, quite honestly, uh, I've been jazzed up about it after, you know, popping some ibuprofen, taking a shower and stretching. So, actually, let's just get into it. Um, Going off the top rope, um, Jim Ross is making waves after on his Grilling JR podcast. You know, he he voiced a lot of displeasure about uh, the state of where wrestling is, uh, especially with uh, the evolution of the way finishers are being currently used. Um, He feels that DDTs should be still looked at as finishers instead of a, a transition spot. You know, things like super kicks should still be used like that. And basically, um, it's making it's get, uh, getting a lot of uh, flack in the locker room because a lot of the younger guys aren't really up for listening for the kind of um, advice that he's giving towards them. And it, it's, you know, I don't know if this is more of jr being keeping it all the way real or if this is just something to draw heat and attention to aew i don't know if you gentlemen actually heard or heard the podcast or seen any of the headlines on this um what do you think about uh what jr's views are on these sam we're both simpson guys right (laughs) old man yells at clouds old man yells at clouds i mean i i understand to a point what he's saying like i honestly do but wrestling has evolved uh, I've, you know, said on this podcast before, that sometimes I get frustrated with how much finishers are used and it not ending the match. But I mean, let's be honest, a DDT or a super kick. I mean, the last person to use a true DDT as a finisher, I believe is Jake the snake. No, know, no. no, Tommy dreamer Raven used it. Um, real promotions. Uh, Raven was in WCW. Well, I mean, was he ever a champion? U.S. champion. So go okay. I, I'll give you that. Uh, but, I mean, I just, to me, the super kick has become, honestly, I think an homage to Shawn Michaels. And that's why everybody uses it. It's easy to do. To me, it's almost now like a chop. Uh, and, I mean, you do. You see it that much in matches. I just sometimes wonder what the thought process in something like this, especially when Jim Ross has the clout, I'm sure – an AEW where he could say this, you know, to the guys booking the matches, to the wrestlers themselves, and not on a podcast. And, you know, other than the joking part of old man yells at cloud, which it does, you know, sound a little bit like get off my porch. It almost sounds like he's just trying to, you know, 
promote his podcast by doing what has become, you know, what moves the needle now and stuff is to say something controversial or it's going to get people talking. I'm actually, it's interesting. I'm going to disagree with you here. I think that the, the DDT example, not the one I would go with, but like, if you guys, the Canadian destroyers are transitional moves now. Like, mm. that's not, and that's the kind of thing. I get what he's saying. This is generally something that JR has gotten into. And I think that specifically with DDTs and, and Super EK, because I think we're focusing on the trees and losing sight of the forest, um, as the old saying goes. <laughs> I think that, you know, Speaking some of, what, of old man uh, yelling at clouds. <laughs> um, but some of what JR has said in terms of, you know, he talks about it's very hard for heels to get heat these days because even the face is cheap. Like, I think there is some stuff, you know, I, I think that there's a definite like line to walk because I was actually uh, working on some, some, you know, spoiler alert, but some of the stuff for the podcast we might do about WCW and the, the, the last three months in 97 and the like talking about Bill Watts where like Bill Watts went really far with this. Like you couldn't do a move off the top rope. And I think that there's definitely limits. I mean, but I think that JR has a point in terms of psychology and like, it used to be that you didn't do closed fists. Now everyone does closed fists. I just think that it's, it's definitely worthwhile to like, I don't think he's completely wrong. Let me say that. And I think that it's definitely in terms of prolonging guys' careers from a safety standpoint, that's where I look at it as well. It's like you look at guys like the Hardys and like not great examples because the Hardys are still wrestling, but like Edge and Jericho who are guys like significantly shortened their careers, like doing safer moves, you know, super kick by the way, because it's just a leg slap. But I think that there is a benefit to doing this stuff and listening to what JR has to say within reason. Like, I don't think we need to go back to like matches ending on a sleeper though. I mean, a rear naked choke is basically just a sleeper, but you see what I'm saying. Yeah, no, no, I get exactly what you mean. And to a degree, I I am with you, Sammy, that some of it, I, I, we do need to kind of put some of them in perspective, like those Canadian destroyers, like you mentioned, like I, I was just watching uh, AEW and they were showing like a, a homage of the um, Lucha, not the Lucha, I'm sorry, Luchasaurus and Jack Perry. And they showed that one that Jack Perry had did off the top rope out of the ring or something like that but it was just it was an insane it was an insane one and didn't finish the match so you know things like that i i get what you're talking about so the next item on the on the board um we have a great new year's uh head-to-head matchup with AEW and NXT. Technically, they're not going to be head-to-head because uh, AEW's first night of their New Year's bash uh, will be following the NBA playoffs. So I actually think that's going to be beneficial to both uh, AEW and NXT. The cards are coming together quite well. And what we know is for the NXT side, we're going to get Kyle O'Reilly and Finn Balor for the NXT title. Um on the AEW side, we're going to get uh, Ray Phoenix versus Kenny Omega for Ken- with Kenny Omega's uh, first title defense. Um, are you guys excited about these two title matches? Uh, I'm more excited about the uh, Phoenix Omega match. I, I think we both know the likelihood is that the champions are going to retain. And because of that, more likely, I think that uh, Omega retains rather than Finn, but I still find it highly unlikely that either would lose. But I just think that like the Phoenix Omega match would be better overall than the O'Reilly Finn match. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I actually am looking more to the O'Reilly match mainly because it almost feels like they're setting him up for a win. Uh, I think it would be huge for him at this point, the way they built him up as this underdog 
maybe they're trying to push Finn Balor and Karrion Cross further down the line where, you know, there's a title change here. Cross eventually wins the title and then eventually Balor, you know, takes on Cross down the road. But I just, again, I mean, not to spoil my match of the week, but I mean, Colorado Pete Dunn was incredible uh, this week. And I, I got to give kudos to both of you guys. I, I kind of scoffed at Kyle O'Reilly when he first kind of made his way in the main event scene. I'm like, this guy's bland. He's, I don't think that great of a wrestler. And he has really proved me wrong. He's, he's been so good in the ring lately. He was great on the mic, actually, in the interaction the week before when they do the scuttlebug that we all hate, where there's 25 challengers in the ring all talking smack. Which, by the way, we didn't really get to talk about that. I love what Finn Balor did. I wish more champions would do this, where when all the challengers start, you know, just talking smack, he just left. He's just like, you know what? Screw this. You guys figure it out. I'm the champ. I'll see you, you know, in January. But, I mean, either way, it's a great card. I do question a little bit. I almost wish AEW could move it to another night uh, because – I mean, is it a double header or is it just the early game? Is it January 6th? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I would hope that I, I would. <laughs> I think on Wednesday, it's two we, games. I think next week is going to be the following. Yeah, I think. Is it next week? Oh, God. Well, I mean, either way, I just, to me, I guess you could say that there would be some carryover. I just don't know what the correlation is to basketball fans. You know, they're going to stick around and watch wrestling. And particularly if, I mean, even if it's a seven o'clock game, you're talking 10 o'clock at the earliest before the show starts. On the um, East Coast, on the West Coast. It's well, that's night. fair. <laughs> uh, if it's a doubleheader, I mean, goodness gracious, you're talking, you know, again, midnight. I know it's not that big of a deal for you, Sam, out in Cali. But I just uh, – I hope that they're not making a mistake with that. I felt like they kind of lost a little steam uh, this summer when, you know, there was some NBA playoff games and stuff and, the, you know, the days were getting moved around and they didn't do a fantastic job of advertising. I will say that every commercial I've seen, that they're saying, you know, directly after the NBA, they're letting people know. But, uh, I, of course, I'm excited for two cards. And this is the new Norman Wrestling now where you get basically pay-per-view quality – uh, on weekday matches because, I mean, let's be honest, every show is practically the same. But Yeah, I just, actually just looked it up on um, on my TV guide, and yeah. it's going to be, start at 10 p.m. East Coast. That's the, on the 23rd. Both the uh, 30th, next week. Yeah, on the 30th and the 6th. So, And I'm going to explain, actually, I don't think that's bad. 30th and the 6th, it doesn't look like they have a game. Okay. Um, I have a feeling that the ratings for the 23rd will not be great. Um, just because, I mean, a lot of people doing Christmas stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, that's my assumption on that one. But I actually didn't give my opinion. I actually agree with you as well, Keith. Um, we were talking about last week, at least I had mentioned that there was a possibility that the undisputed era was just going to kind of shuffle the deck and that, um, KOR might be the one to step forward and, so I am more looking forward to that because I think there's a more possibility that the title changes hands there, even though I'm extremely excited about what's going to be Kenny Omega versus Ray Phoenix. There's no chance Omega loses. Zero. Oh. No, no, none, but it's going to be an absolute banger. No, I agree. To, to paraphrase Arn Anderson, Kenny Omega could have a heart attack in the ring and Ray Phoenix is pulling <laughs> him on top of him. Absolutely. So the last thing I want to touch on, and it was something I wanted to touch on last week, but we just kind of ran out of time. Uh, the Forgotten Sons have all now reappeared on WWE programming for the first time since Jackson Riker's infamous tweet six months ago that had them shelled all this time. Uh, Jackson Riker himself reappeared with Elias uh, first on uh, the main event, which w I understand is, was an internet show, but then he was on Monday Night Raw this past week. And the other two uh, have been King Corbin's new court. So are you uh, happy that they at least stuck with these guys and gave them a little chance to just cool off and then be able to get back to work? So here's my question with it. 
first of all, um, I feel bad for the other dudes that weren't Jackson Riker um, because they were sort of punished for him being dumb. Uh, the other, but the other question that I have is, was that him? Was that like, I don't know, Jackson Riker's real name because uh, his working name is terrible. Um, uh, Gunner from TNA. Uh, yeah. But do you guys think that that was him, you know, in character? Or do you think that that was him shooting? Because, or was it both? Was it him shooting in character? Like, was that like his character would believe the same thing that he believed? Um, I honestly have no idea. I and, never really thought too hard on it. And, and because I don't know which is worse, honestly. Um, I, I, but I, I think that I would say it's worse if, if you were shooting in character or I mean, as yourself, you know what I'm saying? In character. Yeah. Like that, the, you know, that he doesn't believe it, but he was playing a character versus he does, you know, it, because they were heels at the time. I mean, I, I can understand, you know, going over the line, trying to push buttons, but I do find it hard to believe that there isn't some truth. Or, I mean, honestly, that these guys, I mean, you would think that they would have somebody that they run stuff by, you know, before always Herm Edwards always said, don't press send, you know. Uh, it, it just, to me, especially in the role that they were, where, they were building momentum. There was something we had talked about on the show that we were interested in. And then, you know, that pretty much did that. I am very happy though, that they're getting a chance because one thing I have uh, been disappointed in the sort of, I don't know what you want to call it. The society police, the social media police is that there's no redemption anymore. And, and people just want to, you know, act like you can't learn and improve and, uh, you know, do better after making mistakes. We're all human. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's certain things that you can say or do. Actually, I don't even know if there's anything you can really say that is unforgivable uh, that you can't eventually come back for, depending on your behavior after that. There's obviously actions that it's it's tough to, to get over, uh, especially when they're, they're crimes. But I just think that, you know, give these guys a chance. And obviously, if they do something stupid again, uh, you know, that's it. But otherwise, I'm, I'm glad to see if they kept their job. I'm glad they're getting another opportunity, and we'll see where they go from here. And getting attached with King Corbin is not a bad thing. I mean, it's like what I tell people. He's he's a heat magnet, so they've got a chance with Corbin to, to be something. I, you know, my other feeling is it, it, is that, like, what I, I thought that obviously what he said was pretty gross, and especially given the timing of it, but, like, it is hard to get mad about that you know and especially blake and the other guy and the forgotten sons who are with Riker, getting mad about them keeping their job when austin theory and like the velveteen dream still have jobs right so let's move on to the superlatives of the week um face of the week shooter why don't you start us off here uh my face of the week uh, is sorry. I was prepared if you want to go to me first, Rono. Uh, <laughs> shut up. Uh, mine was Kyle O'Reilly. I'm sorry, it was Kevin Owens. Um, I thought that he gave a uh great white meat baby face, you know, his whole thing of like standing up to Roman and just like getting his ass kicked was really good. I think that it's very easy to be a good face against Roman, but I thought that I, I didn't appreciate Kevin Owens enough on the independent scene. And so I'm trying to make up for that now. Go ahead, chief. I mean, you kind of pissed me off. Cause that, that's actually my face of the week as well. I, I, I go back and forth on KO and I think it shows the greatness of him and how he's maybe the most underrated wrestler in WWE right now that he was such a good heel for all that run that, He's one of those guys that you're like, I hope they never turn him face. Because, you know, CM Punk was in a lot of ways kind of similar, that he was so good as a heel, but he was also really interesting as a face, especially when they let him be true to his character or his person. You know, I guess, what, what do they say? Turned up to, you know, 11. 12. Yeah, 11. And I feel like that's what KO is right now, because he knows he's in an uphill fight. He knows he is, you know, taking on the franchise. He's got to deal with Jay Uso and he's just letting it rip both in the ring and on the mic. 
Uh, Biggie was the other guy I really considered for this. Uh, I'll talk about him, you know, for my promo of the week, but uh, I got to give KO credit because Reigns is sort of in the same boat as Omega that there's basically no way Reigns is going to lose a title anytime soon. I, I, I think we'd agree Mania is probably the first uh, chance that could happen, and I don't even think it's going to happen then. But KO is making this feud interesting, and I can't wait to see their match. The one thing I will say about, because I do want to sort of, going back to when he was Kevin Steen, is that his he, his face run in Ring of Honor was basically that, like, based on the idea that uh, Jim Cornette, who was sort of the authority figure at the time, had told him that he didn't think that Kevin Steen would ever mount to anything, and the fans really wanted Kevin Steen, um, and didn't really want uh, Smoky Mountain of Honor, which is what they were getting. But that's another story for another time. But I think that like what works so well about Kevin Owens is that basically his heel and his face character are kind of similar in that they're both just like dudes who go out there to wrestle for their family, but the face, he doesn't have that like raging insecurity that the heel Kevin Owens does. You know, I was almost there with you guys and then I, I basically I overthought it because it was just like it would be going off of uh, Roman Reigns and, you know, we have the Roman Reigns heel of the week coming up next. And so it's like it's easy to put whoever's opposite him as the face. But um, Kevin Owens did put in really phenomenal work outside of that. You know, this was a really tough week for faces uh, across all the brands, if you really look at it. So mine was Kyle O'Reilly uh, simply for. Um, getting himself into that title picture like you know he's proving himself from everything that we had heard and seen from before you know are you surprised that he won i was i i honestly thought pete dunn was going to win that match it was a pleasant surprise but i went into that expecting dunn to win him get the match against Fowler, he was the first one to come out for the promo the week before they talked about the similarities how they're a lot alike and it was honestly kind of a good swerve with O'Reilly, but I didn't expect that. Did either of you guys? I actually expected Kyle O'Reilly to win. Um, he believes in O'Reilly. He is. He's I been do. saying it for weeks. Uh, I'll give it to him. I'm starting to buy in on it. Um, the one thing that uh, actually, you know, we'll touch on that in a, in a minute because it, you know it happened during the match. But yeah, I'm all in on Kyle O'Reilly. Um, moving on to the heel of the week. Um, to me, it was. You can't be any more dastardly than pulling out one of the good old tricks of setting a guy on fire, Randy Orton. Um, a, another nice wrinkle in their little um, feud leaning into the TLC pay-per-view. Uh, I'm sure this match is going to be absolutely insane. Um, I, I can't even imagine what kind of spots they're going to have in that. But uh, my heel of the week, uh, Randy Orton, uh, Chief so I meant to say this in the face of the week, and I actually do think Orton and Wyatt are carrying the role right now, but totally, I am in protest not going to give any awards to Raw because it has been such hot garbage Damn. the last few weeks, like to the point where when you look at the quality of SmackDown, you look at the quality of NXT, you look at the quality of AEW, it's sort of embarrassing that Raw is still probably considered the flagship program. I mean, it's the three-hour. I know that SmackDown has taken over. It's the more important show. It's on Fridays. It's on a major network. But it's just a shame that, you know, Raw has been wrestling for all these years, and it just seems to have no direction. They had a stretch, what, about a month and a half ago where it felt like they had, like, two or three episodes in a row that it, it, it sort of seemed like it was going somewhere. And then since then, it's just all over the place but uh my heel of the week and man like what a year for women's wrestling first bailey had the unbelievable hill run and carmella like girl go do it man like between the new entrance uh getting the big win even if it is by disqualification versus sasha really pushing her buttons in all the best ways and again if you want to talk about one of the women that we don't discuss enough or who is underrated it's Carmella. And we've said it a few times on this show that, you know, not only did she was the one that survived out of big cast, you know, Enzo and her, which is, you know, kind of shocking when they first all came up, you know, 
at similar times, but she's had the women's title run, which was great. Her feud with Charlotte, like, and then she, when most women, and this is not a knock against women, it's most men, women, when they get pushed down after having a big championship run and they're not even really mid card, it's so hard to find your footing. And she did with our truth and something that was entertaining and people enjoyed. And it just honestly made you respect her as a character and a worker because you have to put in a ton of effort to make something like that work. That's why I've always respected our truth so much that he consistently, you know, makes the most. He, he's, you know, that Dion Waiters, he's coming off the bench, you know, shooting threes or that, that guy that only pitches once out every three days and he's coming in throwing 99 miles an hour and Carmelo is doing the same thing. And I'm so intrigued for this feud to keep going. And I hope that they keep her either in the title picture or maybe even she gets the shocking win and you maybe have a, you know, she takes the title for a few weeks or months and then Sasha gets it back, but she deserves a lot of credit. And again, that entrance is just, it grabbed my wife's attention and very little in wrestling does anymore. She loved that. Uh, Carmella is my heel of the week. Carmella does a great, before I get to mine, I actually wanted to sort of touch on both of yours. Carmella is a great, that sort of chicken shit heel is the, mm-hmm. like, I still remember however many years after where she, coming on to talk to Smack and be like, I beat Charlotte Flair <laughs> and just like really just turns two time money in the bank winner. You know, she's the only person the woman to win it twice. And I just think that that's like I if anybody would benefit from like a heater from like a Raquel Gonzalez type, I think that Carmela Oh wow, yeah. Um I think she could get somebody over. The other thing I, I mentioned this to Keith earlier on out, but because I'm on the West Coast, I generally read the raw results and then DVR the show and there's stuff that I'll catch live. And the description was, is that Randy Orton lit a box on fire and the fiend burst out of it and attacked him. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Like I had <laughs> fiend bursting out of this like flaming box, like a badass. And it was just like, oh, he climbed out. Like that's what happened is he climbed out of a flaming box. And I was like, oh, that's disappointing. Um, but the... My uh, heel of the week is Kenny Omega. Um, I think that he is the, you know, the stuff that he's doing with Impact, the stuff that he's doing with TNA, like he's just a very good heel. And I think that as somebody who has been a big Kenny Omega booster and thinks that he is one of the best wrestlers on the planet, like he's you know, like I'm excited for his match with Ray Phoenix, as I said. Um, I like him even if he's just doing a promo. And I think that he's doing a, doing great heel work. And I, you know, he's my heel of the week. Especially because I think that he was the most important guy. I feel like he's the most important guy in wrestling right now besides Roman. And even Roman, it's gotten so, like, there's the newness factor and, and his recency bias, as RC would say. Mm-hmm. Is this, is, are those two guys the biggest dream match since maybe Hogan Flair with two guys that are just kind of on the top of their games? They've both been in different promotions the entire time. Maybe, I guess, Sting Taker, uh, you know, at, at one point or Goldberg Stone Cold. But I just mean, it feels like they've reached that point where it's like Roman is unquestionably the top guy in WWE. Omega is the biggest wrestler in the world that has never, you know, wrestled inside WWE. I mean, I, I can't really think of a bigger match. Can you? The, I can't think of a bigger match, but I would be, I would only be excited if it was an AEW, just because I feel like letting, but I would be more excited for Daniel Bryan and Kenny Omega. That's me personally. Um, but that's just because I think that Daniel Bryan is the best professional wrestler in every facet, character, in-ring work, inter- like all of that. And I'm, I'm a complete mark for him. And I completely admit that. <laughs> hey man, there's nothing wrong with that. So let's go to the wrestler on the rot. No, I just. We can go I'm wrestler sorry. on the rise. Yeah, no, we could do wrestler on the rise. I'm sorry. I, I went from looking at one of ours to someone else's. So wrestler on the rise, um, you can go right ahead, shooter. I'm going to go with the good brothers, uh, Anderson and Gallows, because I think. Going that... off the board. I love yeah. it. I love I'm going it. with impact because I, you know. What? I, I know. <laughs> hey, man, Kenny Omega, clean sweep for the Bullet Club. Um, I think that I've not really been paying attention to that much in Impact, but I'm really excited for the six-man match that they're going to have. I think that they are, you know, the, 
they are more entertaining as care. I've always been, let me rephrase it. I have always personally been more entertained by them as characters than as wrestlers, but I am interested in watching a match that involves Kenny Omega and Rich Swan and them. So I, I think, and I think that they're getting the rub of working with Kenny Omega, um, which is crazy to think about because of how big they were in the bullet club, you know, five years ago to say that, but yeah, I'm, that was the good brothers. I think that they're getting a lot of attention and I think that we could even see them show up on uh, dynamite for the same reason. Oh, that would be awesome. Well, st- sticking with dynamite, my, uh, my wrestlers on the rise is top flight. Um, those two young kids, uh, apparently a pair of brothers, they're going to get a match with Chris Jericho and MJF. Um, I've seen their athleticism in uh, one or two other matches other than the uh, 12-man that they participated in last night. And for me, it's just more tag team wrestling. Um, Maybe it's a springboard for what could be another great future tag team i mean from what i'm seeing from what i've seen of them in ring uh it's exciting so just the fact that we can get someone unconventional for a wrestler on the rise for me um i went with top flight this week chief i was gonna go with kyle o'reilly obviously i mean you know when he lost that match to finn broke his jaw it felt like okay he kind of had his moment in the main event but then if you look back he's got the pin uh, you know, at the war games, he's obviously beat Pete Dunn, got a title match, but I got to go with my girl, Tony Storm. Uh, I know it wasn't a clean win, but defeating Rhea Ripley and pretty much establishing her as probably the next person to take on EO and honestly, maybe be a legit person to finally dethrone EO, uh, I mean, Tony is now 2-0 and against Rhea Ripley. I don't think too many people can say that. Uh, and she just, she has the it factor. She's both a great wrestler. Uh, she's got a great look that is really unusual uh, in a good way. And I think she's getting better on the mic, which is the one thing that I wasn't so sure about the first couple of times I saw her on NXT UK. But... I just think that this was a springboard moment for her. And again, just like with Kyle O'Reilly, because they hyped up so much the fact that she had beat Rhea Ripley before, I actually thought Rhea may get the win back. Uh, But with this victory, it looks like now we may be getting Raquel versus Rhea and then Io versus Tony, and I'm all on board for both. I would be totally on board with that. Um, I'm very impressed with Tony Storm. and that whole angle, just considering that if Tony is the one, because I could also buy that she is ready to be the one and have a decent title reign to go with it. And, you know, if that is the time for EO to go up, the women's division there is still in pretty good hands. I, you know, there's always Candice LeRae lurking on the outside, Rhea Ripley, of course. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez is being amazing right now so i would not be averse to any of that so wrestler on the slide chief why don't you uh keep going with it well i'm pretty sure that one of y'all if not both are going to talk about keith lee i'll go ahead and take the l on that before y'all get into it because i was wrong i thought they weren't going to screw it up they're screwing it up But my wrestler on the slide, and again, this is, you know, me beating a dead horse, but good God, WWE, protect your damn tag team champs. Like, Montez Ford is a star on the rise. Like, he is. He's so talented. You saw it in the match with Ziggler on Friday night. Like, you're not protecting your tag champs. Obviously, the tag champions have had it, taken another loss. And what's sad is they're just setting up a tag title match that they're probably going to win, which is even more ridiculous. There's other ways for Ziggler and them to get the match. Have you but, not been watching the WWE for the last, like... I know, I know. That's what I said. I'm beating a dead horse. But it's just really disappointing because, I mean, good God, it's Ziggler. Who has not beat Ziggler in WWE? And to have Montez Ford, who honestly... I'm as high on as any young guy on the roster who has came up in the last like year, year and a half. And you have him lose to Dolph Ziggler. It just, it, I, I, I like literally want to throw something at the TV 
uh, at the end of that match because it just to me makes no sense. It would even make like I, I'd be less frustrated because it's more common to see the tag champs lose in a non-title match, but then to have Montez Ford win, I believe this is the first singles match that I can remember of significance against somebody like Dolph Ziggler, who again is a guy that just is, he's beat by everybody. That's why he's Dolph Ziggler. He's the greatest seller maybe in wrestling and he loses to him. Uh, it just, it just frustrates me. I, I'm tired of it. Uh, protect your friggin' tag titles, especially when you have a young great tag team like the Street Profits, and they've done nothing for them since they've gone over to SmackDown other than obviously the win over the New Day. Or no, they didn't even beat the New Day, did they? They did. No, they, they did. did. That's right. They, they, did. Had, they had the big spot. I'm sorry. Feels like a lifetime ago. Uh, <laughs> but that's it. That's all they've really done for them other than that. I did love the entrance, though, with the Cups. They, they keep upping that uh, each time. But I just protect your damn tag champs. That's my wrestle on the slide. Well, Keith, um, Sam, you and I had the same one, so by all means. It, it is profoundly frustrating and really depressing. I, have you guys watched the 24 on Keith Lee? I still oh, have I it. I it. need to, yeah. I, I was – see, I was actually – and, I mean, again, well, I, I watched that. And it's great. I, WWE, it's emotional I, art, right? Like, very yeah. emotional. You know, he, he's a guy who had three tryouts for the WWE. Like, he, just by all accounts, Keith Lee, I mean, and granted, this is going on social media and WWE propaganda, which I mean in the nicest way possible, but Keith Lee just seems like a great dude and an easy dude to get behind. And I don't know what Vince is thinking. I mean, putting him on main event, like, the response that he's always gotten from people, like, people love Keith Lee. He's incredibly gifable um it it's you know i would think that it has something to do with his build which is stupid because it like so much of wrestling is a circus and they guys like that i mean and he's more athletic version of them oh yeah but you have guys like you know if everyone looks like randy orton and john cena and finn balor like it, at some point it's just these interchangeable creator wrestlers and that's not to knock any of those guys but it's to say that like keith lee who is so uniquely himself like there is not like when you say keith lee is like i would say was well, kind of like bam bam bigelow but you know more agile like there's just no one you can't describe somebody as like keith lee and to see him wrestling on main event just like, especially when he came up. It's a crime. It, yeah. I mean, he's not a young guy. He's 35. He has some miles on him. And they're talking about him wanting to go back to the performance. And it's just like, you come on. Like, he's a guy who has money all over him. And, you know, it, the, I, I, like, I, he became one of, like, my guys, the Black Lives Matter gear. Like, that, like, the, he very clearly, like, was able to do that. And on his crowning moment to do that. And that's what they talk about is that he says, like, I want my fans to understand that even no matter what anybody else says, I think that your life matters. And it gave me like, I got goosebumps when he talked about it and it like, come on, like, that's just like a license to print money. And I just don't get why they're doing what they're doing with them. It's well, just really think about like, and before you get around, Rock Lesnar's reaction at the Royal Rumble when he saw Keith Lee, which I honestly think was genuine. Like, I don't think that was planned. Yeah. I think Brock was just like, good Lord, this is and a if that's not a, If that's not Brock putting somebody over, exactly. I don't fucking know what is. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Sam. That was a lot more eloquent than I could have ever put into words. So let's get into something a little more exciting. Um, the promo of the week. I'm going to go first because even though there were probably – better promos i gotta go with bianca belair check the receipt rolling up on bailey like girl why is my name in your mouth like you calling her out you're dusty you're this you're that and oh by the way who am i let's check the receipts i am you are and pulling physical receipts out i was like you know what stop the press that's gonna be 
that's my promo right there. I don't care if I see a better one. And, and quite honestly, I think KO put a better one on later on, but it was just like the, the value of check the receipts that that was it for me. Shooter. What do you got? Um, so I would agree that that was the best promo I saw of the week, but I'm going to steal an idea from our friend at keeping up with kayfabe. Um, which is, I didn't really see anything that I thought stood out. Uh, you know, I, that one left an impression on me, which I would say makes it the best of the week. But other than that, I didn't think that there was really anything that, you know, I was super to write home about. Well, man, Big E, that was a great promo with Sami Zayn. I don't care what you say. Like, that was a great interaction. Yeah, and it shows Big E's talent and just ability because – he can almost seem joking, half-hearting, you know, because he's given Zane, you know, a lot of crap about the way that his title run has gone and how it's not been that legit because it's been, you know, done by countouts and disqualifications. And then he grabbed his hand and squeezed it. And you saw the seriousness and the power in Biggie and the fear in Sami Zayn looking at him. Then the joke about, I'm going to make you a T-shirt. Like, it was great. I just, I love... Big E, I love everything they're doing about it. I think it is the absolute right decision to have him win the IC belt. Sami Zayn even brought it up that I've been IC champ for whatever it was, 180, 200 days. Your IC title, which we laugh, I, I got a kick out of this because we couldn't remember if he had it or not, was so long ago and it was forgettable, which I did get a kick out of considering we just, I think it was like two or three weeks ago, couldn't remember if he had won yes. the IC title or not. But Biggie is so money on the mic, and I love that they're letting him be him. Like, out of all the characters right now in wrestling, in WWE, that it seems like they have, I don't know if it's the confidence, or maybe it's Big E has the confidence, but they're letting him be who he is. And he had that great interaction with Paul Heyman a few weeks ago, where Heyman said, you know, you need to be more serious. You need to be this. And Big E said, I'm going to be me, because the best version of me is me and that's what he's been and that was a two-minute promo it was fantastic sam you're wrong that was a good promo <laughs> I, did. Oh, I want to defend myself i didn't okay. say that there weren't good promos i just didn't see anything that stuck around my brain enough that made me say damn this is promo of the week and i think that's all Okay, well, it should have, though, because it was promo of the week. But I will say on Bianca Belair's, by far my favorite thing that she said was just that, you know, I was the last person to survive our SmackDown match. You know, even though you were the captain and you were the first one eliminated, the look on Bailey's face. And if that's what they're going to do is let her get a win over Bailey. That is what WWE needs to do a better job of because Bailey is money now. I mean, she's she was Bailey two belts. She she's had an incredible year. You lose the title, it's okay to fall back a little bit, but while you're doing that, build somebody up, and that's what it looks like they're doing. And that is when wrestling and booking is at its finest because it's not going to hurt Bailey to lose that match to Bianca Belair, but it's going to make Bianca Belair a really big deal right as she's getting established as a women's wrestler on the main roster to beat the woman that was basically Becky or Bailey two belts for almost all of 2020. And I love the fact that you use the word establish because she is the Absolutely. EST. Absolutely. <laughs> Match of the week. Shooter, what do you got? I think that I, I, this might be unanimous. I thought that it was Dunn and O'Reilly in a walk. Um, I actually, you know, we talked about that. Was, was I surprised? Uh, the WWE seems to do its best when it's not like when they have to go against what their plan is when they're surprised or when they're forced to, you know, that was why NXT was at Survivor Series 2019. And I think that's why it works. You know, why Kyle O'Reilly worked is that when they have to do something on the fly, that, I mean, that match was like, legitimately i was there are a bunch of spots where i was like i hope no one gets injured because i really want to see the winner I, I and i didn't know who was going to win i expected it to be done uh but yeah that was, that was a brutal match in the best possible way kudos to wwe and it's something that they should do at least for the best match on a card and all of these was the no commercial breaks like that was brilliant and it's something that they don't like i haven't seen that 
if ever. And I mean, I know AEW does the box and box, but I love that they said right before the match started, you're not going to go away to a commercial break. You're going to be with us during this entire match. And I think it helps the flow of it. And I love the counters. I loved everything about it. And again, I, I just, I didn't know O'Reilly was this kind of wrestler because Pete Dunne is, I mean, honestly, one of the best mat finisher, you know, uh, submission hold wrestlers that there is right now. And for O'Reilly to go toe to toe with him. And what are they calling his knee? What is the name of that? His knee drop to the back of the head off the, the top rope. What do you finish done with in this match? They, I think they just called it a knee drop. Jumping knee strike, I thought. I love that move. Like, I don't know if that's going to kind of, you know, be his finisher at times, but that that was a great way to end the match. And, uh, again, yeah, that was my match of the week. I did really like the Omega-Janelli match. I do want to say that that was very entertaining. But I think, as Sam said, we're going to get a lot of that with Ken Omega's champion. I mean, pretty much whoever he faces, if he's really invested and interested and ready to give it, give it a roll, and it looks like that he's been just basically buying his time in AEW, doing tag teams, and now they're going to let him loose, and the next six months to a year is going to be incredible. Well, just on, on the topic of Omega, do you guys know why Jim Cornette hates him? No. Is it he literally had a match with a blow-up doll? Oh, I do. I did hear about this. And, like <laughs> – the and like whatever like was it new japan where was it at i i honestly don't know i doubt it was i would be shocked it was new japan but he also didn't i also see a video of him like having a match with like a seven-year-old girl possibly uh nine-year-old girl and a blow-up doll uh so the like yeah like but that's how good kenny omega is is that he can like get that kind of stuff over um i think that yeah, I mean, I but the the O'Reilly, I think that some of it was you sort of knew that no matter how good, you know, it's like when Roman was a face, and I remember he was wrestling AJ Styles, loving everything about that match until Roman won, mm-hmm. and I think that's the one problem with the Janela uh, Kenny match was that you knew Kenny was winning. Yeah, it's gonna be a while before you even think that it's you know a shot. And yeah, I mean, but I I thought that the match between uh yeah o'reilly and dunn and so there were stakes it was a great match like hard hitting it was exactly two for them getting the the bullshit out of the way in the beginning which i wish they would do more because you knew with the factions and all the stuff going on there was going to be some of that and they got it out of the way right out of the you know the rip and then just let it be an actual match yeah yeah and what else i had like and you know at at first uh for me um Tommaso Ciampa and the other um, Guff, Ruff, Tyler Guff. I, I don't remember his name. Um, I think it's Tyler Ruff, right? They put That's on Leon Ruff is who you're thinking of. Yeah, but there's another he one. He is there's right. Another. He took on a guy named Tyler something. But uh, anyway, they put on a really great match. And it was just, and then the uh, O'Reilly Tyler Rust. Done. Rust, thank you. Um, and they had put, just took the elements of, blending wrestling and um, mixed martial arts and jujitsu and old mat wrestling. They flowed it so well where it didn't seem like it's forced where you see like in a lot of those Timothy Thatcher matches, which is kind of why I kind of outside of the the riddle, I've had a hard time getting behind him, but O'Reilly and Dunn were just putting on, really great mat work um the exchanges and then the way that o'reilly you know reversed it and then did the suplex uh suplexing done off the apron right before that final knee strike um it was and he also busted um he's got to be careful because uh this is the second time he's busted somebody in the mouth with that knee strike uh because you know he didn't just bust valerie yeah exactly that's what i mean and you know he bloody done hopefully you know sure fans waiting for the receipt and that uh the next match like he's he's definitely gonna get there's gonna be a pretty solid shot i would have met pretty early in that totally but yeah um absolutely unanimous on 
um, match of the week. So the storyline that you need to be paying attention to, um, mine is probably the lowest on the totem pole here because I'm just excited for the spot that's, that's going to be Ray Phoenix and Kenny Omega. Um, I am super excited for when we're like Pack and Omega seems like they're teasing that and pushing that and like don't threaten me with a good time mm-hmm. like that like if you want to make that the first kenny omega pay-per-view title defense arguably like, the match of the year right on tv might have been the pock because that was 2020 right the first match on tv or was it 2019 uh... i'll go real quickly to mine sam while you're looking that up uh the storyline that i'm still interested in is in the inner circle i just Kudos to these guys. I mean, I, I love the roller coaster that you're on where one week they're at each other's throat. This week things seem to go, you know, fairly swimmingly, but there's still those seeds of dissension. And just MJF just can't help himself. And it's what is inevitable about this split is just, I mean, everything about him, even when he's trying to be a team player, it was just like when he tagged in Sammy after they got control early in that match, which – that makes sense, right? They, they've they been kind of feuding. They've been having issues. He tags them in. And then MJF just, you know, while the rest of the team is all in the corner, MJF is off to the other side of the turnbuckle, you know, posing to the crowd, mean mugging. He just literally cannot help himself. And I cannot wait to see all of the storylines that are going to come out of this because it's what's great about having seven guys that are all interesting characters in a faction like this. And you know, they're going to implode is there's no telling who is going to be first, you know, what singles match you're going to get come out, what tag teams, there's a lot of ways they can go. And to me, that's really exciting. Did you notice that uh, Jake Hager hit Wardlow's finisher? Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I actually, yeah, I actually like that subtle nod. And while we're on the subject, you know, um, prayers out to Wardlow because apparently his, uh, that he missed it because of a family emergency and while we're at it uh, inner circle member santana um lost his stepfather the, the week before that's why oh that it, was why i wasn't there that's oh, why i did not hear that show yeah so you know both of those guys actually going through some stuff in their personal lives so i i actually did love that so the hanger might have been twofold right it might have been a legit shout out uh, to yeah. like in story but also yeah. in storyline you know mocking him or you know cop, whatever yeah um the so in terms of like which show won the week i'm gonna go i might have to go with dynamite overall even though i thought that i gotta go nxt i'm definitely nxt i mean they only had one squash match which was um a righteous squash match you know the first time we're seeing carrying cross and then uh sending out his um invitation to Damian Priest. Um, you know, I'm glad to see that he's not just an entrance in a spot, quite honestly. And I, I love their entrance since we haven't seen it in a while. You know, it was nice to have it back. I'm going to subtract points to AEW because they need to piss or get off the pot or let me know what they're doing with this Sting, Cody Rhodes, uh, you know, deal i I just i don't understand what they're doing sting's basically now done the same thing three weeks in a row uh and you know i know the darby allen is involved in this somehow as well but i just i mean it's taking up like 10 15 minutes of uh you know each show and i just like I need some direction here. I, I don't want Sting just coming out basically to get a pop each week because I think that's kind of cheap. And I also want to say that what they're doing to the Dark Order is kind of disappointing too, that they've completely swapped gears and now they're a comedy act. I mean, you spent all this time building up Brody Lee and the Dark Order is this menacing group. And now, like, I mean, they're coming out in silly cowboy hats and uh, Brody I, Lee even coming out. I feel like I haven't seen he's, him. That's what I'm saying. Brody Lee's been missing, but it's like, how can we make Brody Lee this menacing guy when his minions are just, I mean, turn, yeah, exactly. The retribution. 
Exactly. <laughs> like the worst thing you can say about somebody. Well, and I mean, that's what bothers me again, not to, and I know I always beat this drum, but it does bother me. There's a lot of AEW fans out there that just act like that AEW does nothing wrong. And it's like exactly what Sam just said. It's almost identical. You know, you have something cool and then you make it stupid. And it's like, it's okay. It's wrestling. It happens, but let's not act like AEW is perfect and WWE sucks. And I feel like more AEW fans are like that than WWE, at least from what I see on social media. I know that's not a full percentage, and I know that's not everybody, but it's just like, can we please just enjoy wrestling? And can we also please just be fair in our criticisms and our approval? Because, you know, not everything WWE is great, not everything AEW is great, not everything WWE is bad, not everything AEW is bad. Let's just take it as is and be consistent, people. But by all means, enjoy them all. Exactly. Totally um, was uh, with you on NXT. There was, I think they just did a phenomenal job setting up this upcoming pay-per-view. I'm really even interested to see how is Dexter Loomis going to actually host this show? (laughs) That could go really bad, though. That is the one thing that worries me. That could go real bad. But yeah, you know, uh, a non a nonverbal guy. <laughs> the card's gonna be good enough to where I'm I'm in, you know, I'm in it. It looks like we're gonna get Damian Priest versus Karen Cross right. We'll probably get a women's title match between uh EO and you know maybe Storm. I, I'm assuming we're gonna get Raquel Rhea in the next couple of weeks. Like there's a lot like NXT, I gotta give them a lot of credit. And that's kind of again why they won the week for me. A month ago, I was really worried about NXT. You know, I told you, I was like, man, this is as bad as I can remember it. And to their credit, and, and partly as people are getting healthy, but they have course corrected. They built up some other people and they have returning people that were injured. And all of a sudden, NXT, I mean, like they had three, four matches I was really interested in and three, four storylines. And a month ago, there was maybe one. No, I mean, I, I would probably, I mean, you guys have convinced me to go NXT and I, but I'm also a mark for NXT. Like it is, especially like it's, it's high point was like very much geared towards the wrestling family. Mm-hmm. And that's what the, I felt like. This is what this episode felt like. You know, they're, they're sort of getting back to their roots where they're giving you quality matches. They're not, they're, they're doing simple, but effective storylines, which is what I really think AEW has also done a really good job of is, Overall, they don't try to over convolute, uh, you know, basically, you know, promos, storylines, matches. And because of that, they keep it simple. There's a reason wrestling, you know, was huge in the 80s and 90s. Then, you know, because the NWO and the Attitude Era, you know, people only remember the things that hit. There was a ton of stuff that didn't. And I just think wrestling overall was so much more consistent, you know, in the 80s and early 90s when it was more... You know, just not so I mean, much craziness. Hills, I mean, faces, you know. Well, the, was it last week that we were talking about beaver cleavage? Exactly. <laughs> I think it was two weeks ago, but yes, like I, case in point. Well, guys, we're about to get out of here, but before we do, uh, do we want to plug anything? Sammy? Um, we'll plug the Team Turnbuckle uh facebook uh group on facebook team turnbuckle podcast also going to plug the twitter account team turnbuckle um going to plug the steel ring post which as always is the with spandex orphans that's a great group of people a friend of mine from college jesse dram writes the pops and botches for dynamite so check him out um that's really it and he shares those in the group guys so please by all means check those out I'm normally not somebody who does this, but just for this week, and it's a wrestling podcast, MVP, MVP. Yes, oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, well, that's right, because I – oh, my goodness. You know what? When we get off, I'll tell you exactly everything that I had wanted to say. So your boy, the Chief Keith, much like Roman Reigns, has claimed his rightful spot in the Ivy Sports Group, named MVP of 2020 in all seriousness. Uh, Really am honored – uh, and I uh, just want to plug the podcast, the Weekly Daily Fantasy Football Podcast. Myself and Joe Matz put up a new episode last night. Be sure to follow the IB Sports Podcast uh, Network, which you can follow on iTunes, 
uh, Spotify and Anchor. You'll find the Team Turnbuckle podcast there, the Weekly Daily Fantasy Football podcast. Alan is still doing the Backdoor Cover, which is a weekly gambling podcast. The NBA show is going to get cranking up here soon. Me and RC are going to start after week 17 on uh, Sunday nights doing podcasts where we preview the playoff matchups for the next week. We'll have a big question from each game, who we like, et cetera. Uh, there will be a bunch of stuff on the podcast network. Um, I, I love this time of year. we got the NFL playoffs coming up. NBA basketball is getting going. I think the Hawks are actually not going to suck, which is exciting. Uh, and uh, the Falcon season is almost over, which is a bonus. So, Hey, hockey might be coming back too. And there's a flyer. Oh, I'm barking <laughs> up the wrong channel. I'm not even going to try. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to plug uh, an old friend's podcast, Bad Advice with Chris Cubis. Uh, Chris Cubis is a comedian uh, based uh, in Austin, Texas. He and a bunch of his comedian friends do a Dear Abby style uh, giving advice on just all kinds of crazy stories of people who would write all kinds of dear abby um while i'm shouting out chris cubis um i also want to shout out his program uh red beans and ricely that he and his fiance maris have been doing they do a weekly giveaway where they make homemade meals it started off with just them with red beans and rice they've gotten all kinds of uh help from the community that helps with sweets desserts delivering and all that so you know for people who are having a hard time during this pandemic he's giving away free you know 50 100 free meals a week uh red beans and ricely on facebook and i believe on instagram as well as always you can follow me on instagram at official ronell tinsley uh ronell tinsley on facebook both personal and business um uh, harvestcreditors.com if you have any problems on your credit report you uh looking to buy a home car new purchase for 2021 get at me and mention the team turnbuckle podcast and save a hundred dollars on starting your services including the ability to write your living will trust and power of attorney and with that uh we thank you again for listening to another episode of the team turnbuckle podcast so for the head of the table the mvp chief keith fleming the shooter sam howe this is ravishing ronell and we're signing off we will catch you guys soon merry christmas everyone happy hanukkah <laughs>